Conference championship games take center stage in the sports world. While the Celtics have dropped three in a row, the Bruins lose in Tampa but continue to be the best team in the NHL. And we talk with the newest member of the Boston Red Sox. This is the Press Pass. I am Chris Ryan. Two really intriguing conference championship games starting in Philadelphia as the Eagles, who in my view have been the best team in football all year long, take on the San Francisco 49ers. We're a very balanced team, great defense, really good offensive weapons, but Mr. But Mr. Relevant, Brock Purdy, can he, as a sixth-round draft choice and a rookie, beat the Eagles in Philadelphia? And that's the big question. He struggled a little bit in the game against the Cowboys. The 49ers were able to do enough to win in that game. Uh, that's going to be intriguing. What's the injury situation with Patrick Mahomes? It doesn't matter. I mean, to me, the Bengals are a better team. They've beaten the Kansas City Chiefs now the last two games, including the conference championship game last year in Kansas City. And I think that the uh, Bengals are going to do it again. I want to hear from Joe Burrow in just a little bit, because I talked to him when they beat the Patriots in Foxborough, and what impressed me so much about Joe Burrow is that he dictates, right? I mean, he plays with such a conviction and confidence. He puts the ball where he wants to put it and has a conviction in doing so, where you see other quarterbacks, and I think we saw this from Josh Allen last week, a little bit of happy feet. We saw it from Mack a lot this year. We'll get to the Patriots situation in a second. He just has a conviction, and it's Brady-esque. I mean, Joe Montana-esque. His ability to stand in, throw, take hits, and put the football where he wants to see it, make quick reads, go through his progressions, and make quality plays and shake off mistakes I think Joe Burrow might be the best quarterback in football at this point I mean does he do the things that you see with Josh Allen being able to scramble run for plays you know, take big hits as he you know, rushes down the field does he have the improvisation of Patrick Mahomes and ability to you know, get out of the pocket as well no but he wins and I think he's going to win again on Sunday. And I talked with him you know, about his mindset when Patriots played the uh, Bengals earlier this year. Joe, you're talking about your mindset to kind of dictate as opposed to react. How important is that in kind of the overall success that you had to kind of set the terms, not worry about the defense? Yeah. Your guys? Yeah, it's, you always have that balance because when you play defenses and defensive coaches with really good scheme, you, you want to get a feel for what they're doing early, but – you also don't want to come out and, you know, not be aggressive and play play slowly and try to take what the defense gives you. Joe Burrow right there. So I'm thinking Eagles, Bengals, Super Bowl, both games tomorrow uh, as we uh, conclude the NFL season, the conference championship games, and the Super Bowl coming up on February the 12th. Transition to the Patriots a little bit here as they made it official. Bill O'Brien's coming in as the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. Boston Herald ran a really interesting piece that was sourced with folks that were speaking off the record. And you know, whenever you read those pieces and you think about who looks the best out of it, you start to wonder you know, who sourced it, right? I mean, who are the folks that were speaking on background? And, you know, to me, this was a piece that made Joe Judge uh, the scapegoat for the Patriots' offensive problems. Who has been the scapegoat for the most part this year? 
who may not be back with the Patriots next year, who is looking for a job maybe somewhere else. I mean, Matt Patricia comes to mind as somebody that may be looking to deflect some of the blame, although certainly in that article, uh, Patricia doesn't look great either. But this is the first one that really brings Joe Judge to the forefront of the Patriots' problems this year. It shows a really difficult relationship with Mac. It shows how Bill Belichick you know, put him down. But to me, the person that comes out looking the worst out of all this is obviously Bill Belichick. You know, He spent the summer telling me and other folks in the media, hey, don't worry about this offense. And we all said, okay, Bill, I mean, you've won six Super Bowl championships as a head coach, eight overall. You get a benefit of the doubt. And this, for, in terms of results, it was a disaster. And a lot of the things that are being said about happened behind the scenes are believable based upon what the results were. As I said over and over again, this is a talented Patriots offense. They had the weapons to be successful, but they were not. And there had to be some sort of there there behind the scenes as to why you know, that didn't take place. We'll continue to follow the Patriots throughout the offseason, uh, and we'll do that, obviously, for you here on the Press Pass. Let's transition to the Celtics now. Celtics, still the best team in the NBA. You know, still look at the playing field and wonder who could possibly, you know, have something for this team. But they have one. They've lost three straight now for the first time this year. And their loss to the Knicks was a bit confounding in that you expected a response You expected them to come out and play the way they did early on and then hold throughout the course of the game. This is one of those games you expected a 20-point Celtics victory. But they didn't have that killer instinct. They kept the Knicks in the game. They were lax defense, also offense. Their spacing was off. They weren't moving the ball in the third and fourth quarter the way they were moving it in the first quarter, and they let the foot off the gas. And you know, championship teams will mess around a bit But at the end of the day, they usually win. And the Celtics team, okay, Orlando, for whatever reason, Orlando has their number. They've lost three times to them. The Heat game, okay, you're on the road there. But I can't really explain away the Knicks loss. And I'm not ready to go crazy. I'm not ready to say, oh, they need to make this trade and this trade. But the 76ers are coming in in a couple weeks, and they are right on the Celtics' heels at this point. They're only two and a half behind the Celtics. Uh, and this is a time, Celtics again, 35 and 15, no need to panic, but I didn't like what I saw in the Knicks game. You know, Jalen Brown struggling down the stretch, missing two free throws in overtime. Tatum again carrying, you know, throughout the game. He's averaging 31.1 points per game on the year. Uh, he had 35 in this contest, again, perfect from the free throw line, nine of nine, 14 rebounds. And he proved that he is a first-team All-Star and selected as such prior to the game on Thursday. Here's Tatum on that. feels great. Um, You know, said it earlier, it's nothing that I ever, uh, you know, in a sense want to get used to um, that I never take for granted. You know, while I, you know, may have expected to to make the team, um, you know, I I never want to take it for granted, you know, you know, it's an honor. And it's just something I dreamed about as a kid. Um, so to to be named the All-Star starter today meant a lot. Um, and I, w- I was very excited, you know. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. Jalen Brown 
we got some points on the scoreboard with 22, but 8 of 22 shooting, 1 of 8 from 3, and 3 turnovers in the game, and 2 crucial free throw misses. He makes the two free throws, puts the Celtics up. Instead, he misses them both, and at the end of overtime, they're down. Knicks end up closing out and winning this contest. Here's Jalen Brown. I just got to be better, uh, to be honest. Tonight was just a rough game, you know, and I'm a better basketball player than I played today. And those two missed free throws kind of embodied, like, the whole game, you know, for me. Didn't really get it going, didn't give my team enough energy to win. And, and that's what happens when you don't come out and uh, give your best. Um, and I'll be better. Uh, Jalen Brown right there. Celtics back in action tonight. The Lakers come to town. Anthony Davis back in the lineup for the Lakers. LeBron James not showing any signs of his age. He's been rolling through the league. But the Lakers are terrible, particularly on the defensive end. And the Celtics should bounce back in this game. Again, thought the same thing against the Knicks, but they should bounce back in this one against the Lakers. Another team looking to bounce back for the first time in over a year, actually. The Bruins and the Celtics lost on the same night on Thursday. And the Bruins looking to bounce back after that loss in Tampa to the Lightning. They lost 3 2. You know, not too much in this game that you can get upset about if you're a Bruins fan. You're not going to win every single game, although it certainly feels like that at this point. But, you know, they're there late. They had some opportunities. They weren't able to capitalize. And a good team, you know, beats the Boston Bruins on the road. And, you know, that's going to happen. Bruins, difficult schedule at this point as they are facing a lot of good teams, including back-to-back this weekend against Florida team that won the President's Trophy last year. But they've struggled a bit this season. Uh, they have um, only been two games over 500. Then tomorrow, uh, they are in Carolina to take on the Hurricanes. Bruins' record is amazing. We've mentioned it a lot, and it deserves to be mentioned a lot. Bruins are 38 Six and four, and chasing history as potentially the best team in NHL history, record wise. And if they win the Stanley Cup, they can make an argument they're one of the best teams ever, in addition to that. So, I talked with a couple of the Bruins, uh, Matt Grizzlick and Trent Frederick, about that and where things stand for the Bees. Here are those conversations, starting with Grizz. As you guys obviously play game after game, you get win after win, I'm curious as to how you. You know, think about the historical side of things and you start to think about being you know an all-time team does that start to creep into things or no no I don't think so I think it hasn't been mentioned at all and we're just focused on the final outcome obviously playing the last game of the year and um, you, know, you don't get too many of these milestones um, we've won the president's trophy before but you know no one doesn't really mean much as long as you don't finish the job at the end so I think we're just kind of focused on that. Yeah, is there a danger in trying to you know, be an historic team and that maybe you do a little too much during the regular season, you put a little too much into the games, and when it gets time to the to win, um, you know, you maybe you don't have everything? I don't know, maybe. Um, you know, you just kind of saw the the Warriors go for it a couple of years ago. I don't know if that had any effect on them in the playoffs or whatever, but um, I think we just treat it game by game, and we're not really thinking you know, too far ahead. We kind of have games in, you know, five segments and um, just kind of focus on that. I think we talk a lot about the process and we show that after each game, um, how we do in certain areas. And I think if we kind of value the little things and we're not going to think too far ahead. Is this the deepest the decor has been since you've been here? Uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously things are going great right now. Um, 
everyone's just kind of clicking on all cylinders. I haven't really thought about, you know, compared to other years. Obviously, we've been a really good defensive team. Um, I think it's kind of been the staple of the organization, not just D cord, you know, forwards and um, just the structure in which we play in. So um, it's worked really well defensively and offensively right now. So um, just want to keep it going, I guess. How much do the forwards help you be engaged as well? Well, we saw the goal against Toronto. You pinched in along the wall. You know that guys will cycle back. Has does that help you a lot too? Particularly when you're out there playing with somebody like Taylor, who you know is going full speed back and back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, he's known for you know his offense and what he can bring the other way. But when you see a guy like him, I've seen Pasta do it multiple yeah. times. Obviously, Bergie leads the way. But all of our forwards are they really take defense. Uh, extremely serious and I think that only helps going the other way I think that they know that too the more that they um, are there to back us up defensively then they're going to get transitioned the other way so it's our job to put it in their hands and um, they've obviously bought in completely Finally, um, Hampus has obviously had an incredible year and I was kind of disappointed he wasn't an all-star given the way that he has kind of really carried uh, throughout the course of the year, particularly when Charlie yeah. was out at the minutes he's played and how good you guys are. Was that something that upset you guys as a group? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously you like to see guys get rewarded for sure. I mean, if you ask any of us, I'm sure I definitely would have voted him in the all-star. Um, I don't think that Atlantic had any D, so that's that's a little... Suspect. It's a little, yeah, bizarre for sure. Uh, there's so many good defensemen in, in this division. Um, yeah, I can't say enough good things. He's, even when Charlie's been back, he hasn't slowed down a bit, and we've relied on him in every situation. So it's just been uh, it's been fun to watch and be a part of. Bruins defenseman Matt Grizzlick right there. Now let's talk with Bruins big winger Trent Frederick. So, Freddie, this team's on an historic pace. Is that something that you guys are that conscious of? I mean, do you start to move towards and kind of lean into being an historic-type team with the way that you're playing? Uh, I mean, I think we know we have a special group. and uh, You know, we like coming to work here at the rink every day. And, uh, we're just having fun. I don't think anyone's thinking of uh, that side of it. But we know we have a special group, and at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, uh, I guess uh, winning the Stanley Cup for us. So. Um, I don't think we really think too much into like the record and all that stuff. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting like how you go about dealing with that, right? Because I guess that kind of can add pressure in games, and yeah. you maybe try to do a little too much during the regular season, and teams can you know wear down a little bit if you think mm-hmm. about the, the president's trophy. But does, is that something that the leadership or guys have have mentioned at all in terms of you know let's let's just kind of stay who we are? Is that just kind of happening? I mean, no one's really talking about uh, that stuff in here. Uh, I don't have, like, social media to, like, know what's going on <laughs> on Twitter and stuff, so I don't know if everyone's talking about that. But uh, So I don't think it's really a huge, like, thought in everyone's head. I think we're just taking it game by game and, you know, just trying to get two points every night. And then I guess at the end of the year we'll see see what happens. What, in your view, is allowed for, you know, this run that you guys have been on throughout the course of, of this season? Because to me, like, the depth stands out. You look at your third line, you're on, obviously, and that's a big key for it. What, what stands out to you about why this team has been who it's been? Yeah, I think just, like, everyone, I think everyone has fun, like, kind of, like I said, being at the rink, and and there's different guys that contribute every night. I mean, you know, some of them are the same every night, but uh, a lot of times it's other guys chipping in, you know, it's the goalie standing on his head, or 
you know, leanness or sway or the D, you know, jumping in and, and getting a big goal or making a big play or block. And then, uh, so it's just like I think it's just everyone contributing that makes it, you know, successful. Do you think that frees the skill guys, you know, to kind of take some pressure off them when they know that, okay, your line can score. The second line with, with Pasta and, and Krejci and, and Zach has been carrying a little bit as of late. D stepped up and started scoring. Yeah. Like, How does that play mentally with guys where they know that anybody can you know, score and, and that that's not something they necessarily have to worry about? The goals are going to come. Yeah, I think, like for instance, uh, going into the third period, uh, you know, you look around the locker room and it's any guy can get the, you know, game-tying goal or uh, the game-winning goal or, you know, put the team, you know, get that insurance goal. So it's not really like we're looking at just one guy to get the goal. I mean, obviously, uh, I think Boston's having a career. You, yeah. know, you know, we're always good. For, he's probably due for – he's always good for a goal or, or two uh, on any given night. So, But everyone's not just looking for him to do it. Everyone knows that uh, each guy can chip in and help. Conversely, that must help you too, and knowing that you know Pasta's on pace for like 68 goals at this point, yeah. that that guy's probably going to score tonight because that's the way that's the way it works out. So that must help you and be like, okay, I don't have to press. I can be a little more, you know, creative. I, yeah. I you know I can kind of just do my thing. I think too, we just have a mindset. We just want to keep playing, you know, the same way, and um, you know, just pushing no matter what, like no matter what the score is. I know sometimes uh, we might be up in a game and. We might pull back a little bit, but I think typically when we're playing our best, we're just going playing and, and uh, trying to make things happen. This team has, you know, three guys been dropping the gloves a little bit over the, the last several weeks. One of them, Nick Foligno, probably a little bit unexpected, but you and, and AJ as well. How do you go about kind of defining you know, where fighting is at in the game today and kind of picking your spots and, and so forth? Do you find there's not many guys on the teams that will – will go with you because it seems like it's definitely different than you know 10 years ago where there'd be certain guys that kind of fight um. yeah. I think it's more like situational through the yeah. games now I think just the random um, the random fights just because they're kind of like kind of going away if that makes sense but uh, I think it's more just like uh, on a bad hit or something like that where someone might address it and um, so I think that's kind of what's changed instead of just like two guys just fighting I guess um just a fight, if that makes sense. Do you find yourself you know, as a guy that'll you'll chirp a little bit here and there? Because we've talked about this before, where you're not like going in looking to talk to guys, but yeah. you bring, you'll bring stuff up. How do you how do you go about doing that? Because you have obviously Marshy, who's legendary when it comes yeah. when it comes to that. So how how do you kind of play in the mental side of the game and, and try to to ride guys a little bit? Uh, I mean, I don't really run my mouth like at all unless something would happen in the game uh, but it's not usually like chirping or like personal um so i mean i don't know i am you gotta ask marsh about that one. i'm not like anything too crazy uh when it comes i guess what you call chirping so when you look at this team in in totality um it seems like you know Linus has had a big role for what you guys have been able to accomplish so we talked about you know, obviously pasta and his scoring and the depth of scoring with this group but when you haven't been playing well um, for periods of, or just periods of time during a game, yeah. it seems like he bails you out on a pretty consistent basis. So what does that kind of do from the, the mental standpoint? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. I mean, both our goalies really, um, if you look at our last game, Sway has a big breakaway stop, and yeah. towards the end of the game was huge. And, you know, Linus has you know, kind of been doing it, uh, I guess you could call it like, all the time he's been uh, coming up big and keeping us in games when we, maybe we're fall, you know when they're making a good push so I mean both of them have just done an awesome job and it makes it easy on us that 
if something does come up, we, we always kind of, in my head, I'm like, oh, this will, this will be safe. So it's a good uh, mindset to have. Finally, kind of bringing it back full circle, like one of the most awesome aspects of this team and you don't see very often is that it feels like whenever you take the ice, your best game will beat anyone. And is that kind of the first time you've felt that here with, with the Bruins? And how does, that, you know, how does that play in that you know that if you're, if you're there, if you, guys, if you guys are playing good positional hockey, you, you take a, make good decisions with the puck, everything will, will come for you? Yeah, I mean, it's a good feeling. I think we've had it here uh, before, and um, it's kind of like what you said. I think every single game, no matter what the score is, and I think we always uh, feel like we have a good shot of winning. So that's kind of like that feeling you have. Uh, obviously, we have the guys to do it, so it's you know it's it's a really good feeling. Even when you're going into third and you're down, you still have the belief and you still think that you're going to go put the win song on after the game. Sweet, yep. good to see you. All right, Trent Frederick, right there. Let's meet the newest member of the Red Sox. Looks like he's going to play center field. It's somewhere around sixth in the lineup. It seems like. Here's part one of our conversation with Adam Duval. On my swing all off season, uh, I'm excited to to take what I've got. Uh, uh, into that ballpark and into that league and, um, you know, try and put some barrels on the ball. Adam, looking at the, uh, the 2023 Red Sox, I mean, what do you see and, and was competitiveness a part of the decision-making? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I talked about, uh, the different things that made me want to play, uh, um, in Boston and, um, you know, the moves that they've made, some guys that they brought in, uh, shoring up the, the bullpen and, um, you know, like I said, I'm super excited, yeah, to, you know, to be in Boston. And, um, you know, I think, um, you know, I think they're not getting enough credit um, as far as where we stand. Um, and, you know, I've, I've never been, I've never been a guy that, that has uh, looked at it as like, yo, you know, on paper, we're the best team. So we're going to win. Um, you know, I've been on teams that uh, in 2014 with the giants, we, we snuck into the playoffs with a wild card and ended up winning the world series. And then, uh, you know, in 21 with Atlanta, we, uh, you know, we came back, I guess, to win the division, uh, like a 13 game deficit and ended up going on to win the world series there. So, um, you know, I'm super excited about this club. I think, uh, just talking to the guys and having them reach out and getting to know them a little bit, um, you know, there's some competitors on this team and, you know, I'm looking forward to playing with them. And I think that that means more uh, to me um, that everybody can pull on the same side of the rope than anything. So uh, like I said, I'm super excited to be here. You alluded to the fact you've been hitting um, coming off of the, the wrist surgery, obviously no hitter wants to deal with that. Um, How have you been responding? Honestly, uh, I've been super blessed. Um, so far I haven't had any setbacks. Um, and right now I'm back to hundred percent. So, um, you know, I've been ramping up, I've been making sure that I'm getting enough swings in, uh, you know, to test it. And, um, like I said, I haven't had any setbacks. Uh, we took it really slow, uh, in, in the, uh, in the progression as far as getting back to hundred percent. So I think that helps some because we had plenty of time to work with. Uh, so, um, you know, I'm super excited with where it's at and uh, knock on wood, no setbacks. I think, uh, you know, I'll be right back to where I need to be. 
That is the newest member of the Boston Red Sox, Adam Duval, joining us here on the Press Pass. We'll talk more with him coming up on the show next week. Red Sox report for spring training on the 20th of February. Pitchers and catchers will get to the fort coming up on the 15th. This has been the Press Pass. I'm Chris Ryan.